Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashwin, I've got Brian on the phone with me, and today we're going to be discussing the 2011 horror film You're Next, directed by Adam Wingard, written by Simon Barrett, starring Sharni Vinson, Nicholas Tucci, Wendy Glenn, and AJ Bowen. This movie is about a family reunion that goes wrong when a group of masked assailants end up crashing the party. Um, Brian and I are going to, as usual, have a brief spoiler-free discussion at the front end of this episode. Uh, We'll take a quick break, uh, you'll hear some music, and then we'll dive into the plot, the spoilers, and our review. Uh, Brian, you'd seen this one before, right? I have seen it, I think, only once before. Okay. Any chance uh, we saw it together, like back in 2013 or something? I think we did. Maybe I should look to see what we rated it back on our <laughs> little spreadsheet. Yeah, because uh, it came into theaters like two years later in 2013, and I, I figure at that point we were both in Chicago, right? Oh. Well, maybe we did, like, see it in the theater together, you mean? Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, while you were here, I thought we might have gone out and caught it together. Yeah, Maybe. Like, do you remember seeing this one in theaters, or do you feel like you've only seen it on, like, VHS? I don't remember a theater experience, but I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. I I remember uh, there was, like, a lot of hype around this one and seeing it in the theaters, so I I assume you might have been there. Okay. Very well could have been. So this is only your second time seeing it? Yeah, correct. Okay, cool. Um, Genre-wise, where do you think this one falls? Oh, I mean, I think the structure is the most similar to a home invasion movie. Yeah, yeah, right. I've seen of... it called a slasher. I've seen it called mumble gore. Yeah, I want to ask you again about mumble gore, or mumble core, because uh, yeah, I saw that term associated with this one as well. What's your understanding of that genre? Like very real time, uh, just slow stuff, or, or what do you think? I think basically like the two biggest takeaways for me are like low budget and naturalistic acting. Okay, naturalistic There's... meaning like good acting, or like what's naturalistic acting? Naturalistic acting is basically just trying to act closely to how people act in real life. Oh, okay. Um, I feel like I might be wrong with this term, but I feel like the opposite of it would be like presentational style acting, like in a 1950s movie where someone almost seems like they're in a play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Um, acting like you're in a movie or in a play or in some kind of production. Right, yeah. But here, characters are kind of they may be like stuttering or hesitating or responding to questions like they a real person would um yeah yeah i think that's part of where the mumble name comes from i'm not totally sure sure on the origin of of the mumble yeah um but yeah and i i think we've defined it a little bit better in the um what was the episode we did that was considered mumble gore the devil uh could be house of the devil is that it house of the devil yeah was mumble gore and um uh i, oh I trapped God. the devil i trapped the devil yeah yeah F- funny also both aj bowen movies right yeah i mean a lot of it too seems to be uh, just a certain crowd of directors and actors that yeah the stuff they do gets called mumble gore yep or yeah. mumble core if they're not doing horror movies yeah, and even in this film, I feel like you have like four or five uh, either between the director and the actors, like uh, a lot of overlap between uh, them, that genre, and like some of these other movies you're mentioning. It's right, crazy. like um, the jerk older brother in this movie named Drake is played by Joe Swanberg, and he's a prominent director in the mumble mumble core field, and he's right kind of credited with launching the careers of Lena Dunham and Greta Gerwig and the Duplass brothers, which 
I don't know that I can verify that. I just read that somewhere. Um, but they all kind of run together and they're in movies together. And Greta Gerwig was in House of the Devil and yeah. Lena Dunham even was in House of the Devil. She was a voice on the phone. Right. I remember that as the operator of the 911 person. Yeah. And Duplass Brothers with Creep. Creep was a uh, considered a mumble gore. Oh, got it. Well, um, Creep wasn't directed by any of these guys, though, right? Um, oh, who was Creep directed by? Ah, I forget. It's got to be by one of these guys. I don't think it was, actually, though. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I hear, like, they, they all kind of, like, run around in the same circle, and uh, a lot of these guys were, like, associated with uh, VHS and VHS2. Uh, yep. you, you yeah. Directors there. Um, sure. Yeah, it's interesting though because yeah, the, those past movies we talked about, Mumblecore, uh, those two uh, specifically, uh, House of the Devil and I Trapped the Devil, those seem like such different movies to me compared to this one. Like especially like the way the dialogue and the action is sequenced. Uh, I, I'm surprised that this one falls into that same category. This one is it fits snugly into the Mumblecore category for the first thirty minutes or so, mm. and then it really once the the big event happens, it totally changes tone to me and it no longer fits into the genre. Interesting. Even, uh, I mean, like this movie kind of starts out in a very slashery way with kind of like a hook. And like, I feel like both of those movies like took like 40 minutes, 50 minutes for anything to happen really. So you don't think just by default of like having a hook in the beginning of this film pulls it out of that genre? Um, yeah, I mean, that's to me this is like... Of all the ones we've seen lumped into this category, this is the farthest from what I would... This is like an outlier. Yeah, yeah. so the hook might be part of it, too. Yeah. But between the hook and the big event, it's pretty pretty mumble-gory. It's like aimless, kind of unlikable characters sure. having like very true-to-life dialogue, naturalistic acting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and boy, with A.J. Bowen, I can never tell if it's just naturalistic acting or bad acting. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that uh, later. <laughs> and did you catch that, catch that Ty West was actually in this as yeah, an actor? Yeah, that was yeah. cool to see him. I, I didn't realize uh, he was actually like, I, I guess he's been in a few movies before too, right? Yeah, I think they all like kind of star in each other's movies, partially probably to like save money. Sure, yeah, doing each other um, favors. Yeah. And speaking of Ty West, uh, he one of the movies he directed was The Innkeepers, and our friend Jordan from our Discord server is going to be writing some written reviews for us on our website, horrormovieclub.com, and by the time you hear this, his review for The Innkeepers should be out there, so go oh. check that out on horrormovieclub.com. That's awesome. And uh, Jordan, welcome to the team. Yeah, yeah, great to have you on board, and uh, glad we're going to get some written content up. That's, that's really exciting. Yeah, but- we've really been slacking on the website. Yeah, that's a movie I've been wanting to rewatch for, because uh, I, I think what we saw that three, four years ago. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to watch that again too. Yeah, yeah, I just like T.I. West, but I, I love the idea that there's a circle of uh, people out there uh, that kind of yeah support each other in their films and show up in these films as cameos. It's fun, right? Right, their whole crew exactly. Um, speaking of uh, the director, so Adam Wingard, uh, Wingard, who's the director of this, um, it's surprising uh, given the success of this. I, I didn't see any other like huge named films he's done. He did like A Horrible Way to Die, The Guest, Death Notes. Um, like I haven't seen any of those. Have you? Uh, no, I haven't. I mean, he did a little bit of something in each of the VHS movies too. Sure. Yeah. And then, but it, it looks like he's got a very big one coming up: Godzilla versus Kong next year, or this year, probably, right? Yeah, twenty twenty one, Godzilla versus Kong, crazy, That's huge. Uh, <laughs> good, good to see more business coming his way. 
And then, I did not double check this, but I might be about to say what you're going to say. <laughs> sure, go for it. He's set to direct and co-write a sequel to Face Off. Oh, what? This guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. I read that somewhere. I didn't verify it, but that that could be very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Someone mentioned recently, like they were doing a sequel to Face Off. So uh, you think you think it might be this guy then? It might be this guy. That's that's wild. Or at least maybe his name was in the air for it at some point. You never know with this kind of early reporting on movies. It's just so interesting because I, I feel like he hasn't done anything too notable in the last few years. I, I, I wouldn't say like any of those other films were huge. So it's interesting. No, that... maybe some cult cult classics. Yeah, yeah, maybe. He did Blair Witch 2016, which I never saw. Yeah, I didn't even know that came out. That's that's wild. Yeah. I, I guess that was just a sequel that pretended like part two didn't exist already. I can't even remember what that was. If it was a single sing, sequel or some sort of reboot type situation, I can't remember. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah I gotta go back and look at that one. Um, and then similarly, like like Sharni Vinson, uh, you know, I, I think I, she's is she Australian or New Zealand? I imagine Australian, I believe. Okay, and uh, yeah, I mean, she's like done some other like random films like Step Up 3D, Bait 3D, House on Willow Street, like the pr- pretty small productions, I think. So nothing like near the level of this, it seems. Yeah, and I mean, even this, like, even though it doesn't look it, it's still pretty low budget. It was done That's for true. a million. Yeah, um, yeah. That's good and point. very few of these actors are big name actors. They might be big names in this little mumblecore, mumblegore group, yeah. but they're wearing multiple hats. They're not necessarily just actors. Um, yeah. The biggest name is Barbara Crampton, who played uh, the mom. Oh, um, she's the biggest name? Yeah, because she's in uh, the horror nerds love Barbara Crampton. She was in Reanimator, Castle Freak, Chopping Mall, hmm. a lot more 80s horror. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And she's producing movies now too, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's one thing that kind of ties a lot of the cast together is a lot of them seem like they're in the horror genre for the most part. So that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, AJ Bowen, who we have some issues with and we'll talk about later. Uh, Joe Swanberg, who he, he's also the director. You ever watch that show Easy on Netflix? Oh no, I've never seen that. Oh, it's a cool one. It takes place in Chicago and, uh, like every episode is somewhere in the city. pays tribute to a lot of local businesses. It's a good one cool um but yeah pretty cool guy um and then yeah as you mentioned like it's a low budget one million but uh talk about the return it, it made like 27 million which uh, i guess is still small but like 27 times your budget that's that's awesome yeah pretty incredible yeah 79 percent of rotten tomatoes uh the other thing i wanted to ask you about and, and thinking through this movie uh, and we're talking about genres um i think there's been this trend over like the last 10 years and i want to say it starts with this film of so you know your typical horror movie is like a horror person chasing uh, a victim which you know oftentimes uh, tends to be a, a female right like your, your final girl for like 80 90 percent of the movie it's that way and then the last like five ten percent of the runtime the tables turn and like they come back after the uh, the villain right is that right and and this film uh would you agree like that like one of the things that this film does that's kind of more unconventional is maybe that it's only like yeah 20 30 percent of this film is like them chasing her and then uh the tables kind of turn more quickly in this one on the villains yeah the tables do turn a bit more quickly which i appreciate because uh i really enjoyed charney vincent in this film me too. Yeah, yeah. I feel like she shines through, and uh, she's so like great with that character of like uh, you know being this. Uh, and we'll talk about like why she's able to turn the tables too. 
but I, you know, I'm trying to remember. So I feel like since this film, we've had a lot of movies that have emulated that, like Hush, uh, Ready or Not, Revenge, Invisible Man, Final Girls, uh, Midsommar to some extent, Happy Death Day, uh, kind of like also do that where it's more around the victim taking, uh, turning the tables on the, the villain uh, earlier on in the film. But do you remember like any film before this one, like going back to the 2010s or even before that, that had this type of early on dynamic? Um, hmm. I think rape revenge films have always kind of done that. Um, that's a mm-hmm. bit different, but yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I can't I, think of any off the top of my head. Yeah. I could. I mean, like, you know, you have like scream and like, uh, alien and stuff where like, uh, yeah, at the end, uh, they, they are like able to turn back, uh, on, on the villain and, and, you know, counterattack. But uh, in, in, in the sense where it's happening earlier on in the film and it's like kind of creating a whole new dynamic uh, of the relationship, I feel like that's more of like something we've seen more of in like the last 10 years, perhaps. Yeah, I think you're right. Interesting yeah. observation. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's really cool too. I mean, I, I like that they're, they're messing with the, uh, the flow of the movie that way. Right. Makes it a lot more interesting. Uh, cool. Any, any other background or you want to jump to the How Connection? Uh, yeah, let's hit the Ohio connection. But before we do, I have a couple, couple housekeeping items. Let's hear it. I wanted to give our listeners Nisu and Whitney a shout out. In our top villains episode, we said that we were surprised Annie Wilkes didn't have some sort of an origin story somewhere out there, and they both let us know that it does exist in season two of Castle Rock. And I saw that one. I never put those names together. <laughs> right. Of course you saw that and didn't realize that. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. That explains the ending, too, very well. <laughs> they put that so, Nisu and Whitney, thank you for setting us straight. Yeah. That was embarrassing. Um, and I wanted to thank those of you that reviewed us in response to our our shout-out or our request to you guys on our Top 5 Villain episode trying to get to 200 this year so anybody who can take the time to review us on apple podcasts super appreciated and thank you so much to those that did that and another announcement very exciting we've got some merchandise available our friend amy and amy may pop art created a set of five coasters for us and four of them have awesome pop art images of characters from some of our favorite horror movies that we've covered on the show and one of those coasters has the full version of our logo as it appears on our website horrormovieclub.com so i've posted the link to that coaster set on our socials and hopefully it will be on our website by the time you hear this and you can use the promo code movie club to get 15 percent off of the coasters or anything else in amy's shop and even if you don't want those coasters <laughs> you should go to her shop go to etsy.com and search amy may pop art and all one word. And even if you don't want our merchandise, just use that code movie club. It'll get you 15% off anything in the shop. And she has some amazing stuff on there and you should get free shipping on any order over $35 on there too, with that promo code movie club, all caps, go check out Amy may pop art on Etsy.com. And I'm done with my rant. And now I will go to the Ohio connection. Cool. Great. Sounds good. <laughs> all right. Uh, so our Ohio connection as always comes from our friend Alex Alex connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us he also owns the bar Jukebox bar and restaurant in Cleveland Ohio so head up there in the spring when they reopen their patio and Alex says your next features the multi-talented actor Joe Swanberg in the role of Drake 
Davison. Swanberg is celebrated most prominently as a director, having made popular low-budget independent films, and as a major figure in the mumblecore film subgenre. His films include Nights and Weekends, Happy Christmas, Hannah Takes the Stairs, a segment in the horror film VHS, and 2013's Drinking Buddies, a dramatic comedy set in Chicago about friends who work at a brewery. Beer has played a key role in both his film and TV work, leading to a 2017 interview with Wine Enthusiast magazine where he discussed craft beer and his favorites from across the Midwest. This list included Revolution and Half Acre from Chicago, Three Floyds from Indiana, Bells and Founders from Michigan, and Great Lakes Brewing Company located in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Uh, Great Lakes, I, I feel like that's a pretty popular beer. Like, in, anywhere you travel in the country, I feel like people uh, tend to know that one. Yeah, it's got pretty wide distribution, um, and it's delicious. Yeah, I, I struggle to get into that one for some reason. I, I, maybe I just haven't found, like, the right brew. They do, like, a good uh, Christmas sale, right? They do. It has slowly um, decreased in deliciousness over the past decade or so, but <laughs> it, it is very good. Yeah, yeah. Ah, that's awesome. Cool. Glad he's a fan of Midwest uh, breweries, which I feel like those are like pretty good ones he named there. Revolution. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Three Floyds. Yeah, boy, you know, I started watching Drinking Buddies a few months back, and I had to turn it off halfway through. I was so bored. Oh. <laughs> uh, sorry, you said that was a movie or a TV show? Uh, movie. Okay, yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's not a good sign for this guy. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Great, great, great uh, connection. Thanks, Alex. That's a yeah. very appropriate one. It's good. Uh, all right. Great. Well, uh, anything else or uh, you ready to dive into the plot and uh, hit some of the spoilers and get into our review? Let's dive into the plot. All right. Cool. Hey, before we do that, though, do you mind if we take a quick break? I just got to use the restroom really quick. Sure, man. All right. I'll be right back. Hey, Brian, I'm back. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. Uh, yeah, you know, actually, I, 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 I was uh, able to just uh, go in here. I, I found a random plastic bottle with some pee in it already, so I just did the job there. I saved a trip to the bathroom. <laughs> but now I'm, I'm wondering if there's someone in the house now. That's, that's kind of a weird thing to stumble across. <laughs> so the bottle of pee was not your pee? I'm, I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, unless, unless it was from like a long time ago and I just forgot about it. But <laughs> it seemed pretty fresh. I did a sniff test. <laughs> Seems like this. Man, there were a lot of times where I was just wondering why they didn't think someone was in the house. Oh, <laughs> just because like the noises Some you would frustrated hear. Frustrated shouting at the characters moments in this movie. Oh, interesting. All right, all right. Uh, yeah, I, I can definitely think of one or two, but you probably picked up on some more. It sounds like. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. So let's let's dive into the plot here. Um, so uh, this film opens with a shot of this couple that has uh, just had sex. And the woman, uh, you know, the guy goes to take a shower. The woman, uh, you can tell, has like this very disappointed look on her face. Uh, she obviously wasn't uh, enjoy wasn't enjoying it as much as the dude was. Um, she goes downstairs, puts a CD on, um, and she kind of thinks she hears something. The next shot we see is the guy getting out of the shower, and he finds uh, on the mirror in that room someone has written "You're next," and it's in her blood, and her dead body is there. And then the, the dude gets attacked by this uh, masked assailant who's wearing uh, a mask uh, of like a lamb or something and attacks him and kills him with a machete. 
Uh, what'd, you, what'd you think of this opening scene? You know, I thought it was cool, but they could have made it more suspenseful. It kind of it got the job done and not too much more. Um, yeah, I think it the events that unfolded here kind of increase in their value to the movie later on. But for just this opening scenes purposes, I thought it was fine. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because this is like a very short sequence. They didn't really drag out the suspense, and especially the way she gets killed, it happens like off camera, and like you don't really even see someone coming after her. Uh, so yeah, it is kind of strange that they cut that part short, but it, I think it puts more of the focus on like the comedy of like her look after uh, they've had sex and like her putting on this like kind of cheesy song downstairs. So I, I don't know if maybe the intent was just to like not be too scary up front or something. Perhaps. I'm not sure. It just seemed like they could have really squeezed more out of that premise because they do a pretty good job of that kind of stuff later in the film. Right. Right, right, so. yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think you would expect that on a, a normal slasher like Milk this part. So right. So that is an interesting choice. Um, so then we meet our main character, Erin, who's played by Sharni, and uh, she is with her boyfriend, Crispin, and they're going to his family home for this reunion. Um, I, I, this part, I, like while they're driving to the house, it kind of reminded me of Get Out uh, in, in like that, that like drive when they're going to the, the, the girl's house. Did that remind you of that at all? Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of unease about meeting the family and a bit of a warning about how your family's a little bit strange. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I, I feel like is pretty relatable, right? Like anytime someone's had to bring someone to meet their family for the first time, very familiar anxieties. Yeah, for sure. Kind of, yeah, We've all been there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm still figuring out how to take Brian to my house. Kind of, <laughs> kind of weird. Uh, so then, uh, they, they arrive at the house, uh, and at the house, I think this is what you're talking about earlier, like, the, we know the parents have shown up earlier, and, uh, they have heard, like, some kind of weird noises around the house, um, so, uh, there's, like, some level of spookiness going on, but nothing too crazy yet. Is that kind of where you think they should have already figured it out? Yeah, I mean, the door was open, and they heard something in the house, like... Yeah. <laughs> Call the cops, but if you have one of those things and not the other, maybe. <laughs> but if you've got both, you gotta call the cops. Yeah, you call the cops right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's like two red flags. <laughs> if you, yeah, I mean, it's feasible that like some weird thing happened for your door to be open, but to then hear something in your house, you gotta get the fuck out of there. I guess, but I mean, like this is Missouri. You're like out in the middle of nowhere in these like old houses. I mean, house sounds are a thing. I've been told. Correct. I'm just saying the the two things put together, that's enough for me. I've called yeah. the police before when my house, <laughs> we came home one night from like dinner and a movie and our front door was wide open. And you called the police? We called the police. Uh, before you went in the house or you went in the house, then you called the police? Maybe it was kind of bonkers. It yeah. was, no, it was before we even went in the house. It was probably an overreaction. Sure, sure. And so they come and like do the scan of the house and give you the green light? Yeah. Yeah. But he yeah. was like... You did the right thing calling me because we've had a lot of, uh, like, addicts just walking into people's house and, like, taking a bath. <laughs> oh, shit. That's scary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess. Uh, yeah, living in a condo, I never kind of have that fear, but I, I guess in a house, that makes a lot of sense. That's, that's kind of scary. Um, all right. Well, then, uh, that night, the rest of the family comes, and so uh, you've got Crispin and Aaron, who are main characters. You have Crispin's older brother and his wife. Um, you've got Crispin's younger sister and her her boyfriend, and then Crispin's younger brother and his girlfriend and uh, and his girlfriend. I think her name is Zoe or something, which is kind of like this funny, like pretty uh, 
I don't know, like distant, maybe kind of gothy uh, vibe to her. Yeah, uh, I think her name was Z. Oh, Z, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what did, What did you think of like the, all the family dynamics going into this? Like, you, there's obviously like some strain and stress, right? Yeah, strain and stress. It's always hard with these type of movies for me because I know the characters are supposed to be unlikable, but it doesn't make it easier to watch unlikable yeah. characters for however long you have to until the thing that's going to happen actually happens. Yeah, so, so you didn't like these characters right off the bat? No. No, I didn't like anybody except Sharni. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's she's the one that kind of like emerges from all of this as like the, the shining star, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, oh. I think they're meant to be unlikable. Like... They're holding their son, A.J. Bowen, to, uh, A.J. Bowen's character, Crispin, to, like, high standards and being disappointed that he's not successful. His brothers and sisters are, like, showing off their success to varying yeah. degrees. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. And, and now when you're, like, talking about those other mumble gore films, like, yeah, this does seem like a familiar trope in the beginning, just uh, kind of shitty people up front and, and, like, very distant family connections, I guess. Or, like, Yeah, and families. awkward social interactions. Yeah, right, right. Yep. Yeah, I feel like sometimes the naturalistic gets confused with almost this weird, like, cynicism or nihilism that, like, nobody interacts well. <laughs> like, nobody yeah. likes each other or nobody's <laughs> a cool person. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, watching this, I just assume that's, like, how normal uh, family reunions are, maybe? Or, like, is that how it is for a lot of people? <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel uh, like people are at least better at faking that they like each other. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not as exaggerated. Sure. Uh, but yeah, Sh- Sharni, I think, is different. She's, like, a lot warmer, and I think that, like, rubs people off, like, in the wrong way, too. So, uh, the main event happens. The family's having dinner at some... I think it's, like, an anniversary dinner or so- something. Uh, uh, some kind of reunion dinner. And um, there's this argument breaking out amongst uh, the brothers. Uh, you know, typical kind of stuff. Crispin's sister's boyfriend sees something out the window, and then he gets shot... Uh, with a crossbow and an arrow just like pierces uh, his forehead and kills him and the family realizes that they're being shot at from outside by these assailants so they escape the dining room Crispin's brother also gets shot in the back and is severely wounded so uh, that's kind of like the first attack scene of like them being shot at from outside uh, they make it to the hallway and uh, they have this discussion where Crispin's sister thinks like she's fast enough and can run outside and there's this almost this thing where like she wants to like impress her dad and uh, she's like, I'm going to make a run for the car. So she runs outside at like full neck speed and uh, runs straight into like this wire that like cuts her throat that these killers have put outside the house. So pretty chaotic. We've lost two people. One person's been wounded. What, what do you think of like all this opening action? Uh, I think there was a new Ashvinism back there. She's running at full neck speed. <laughs> full neck speed. You never run at full neck speed? That's when Her your neck, neck is, is full and she's ready to go. <laughs> I know. It's ready to be cut into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that had echoes of, uh, well, everything about this movie reminds me of Ready or Not, but do you remember the one daughter who was, like, kind of failing at everything and really wanting to, like, prove oh. herself to her dad and her dad kept being like it's okay sweetie yeah the one who like accidentally kills uh, someone with a crossbow yeah 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 right right yeah um that was very reminiscent uh, yeah. i'm sorry what did you ask me oh but yeah what, what do you think in general like all this like opening uh shenanigans and like this initial attack on the family I thought the initial attack was cool, and it allowed uh, the first moments of Sharni proving herself that she had some sense and could logically guide the family through this situation, and uh, it was pretty earth-shattering. It's a, a great way to 
to introduce the uh, the tenseness. There's, there were a few minor hints, but just yeah. an arrow through the face is a nice uh, in-your-face, pardon the pun, way to, to introduce this plot. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I feel like these first two kills are kind of over the top with the arrow in the head and then uh, the... the um the wire on the neck too like those are two i thought like pretty creative kills like to start the movie off with and then yeah and they were pretty gory yeah yeah they didn't hold back here mm-hmm. and and you're right like sharni i think immediately like we kind of start to see her like coaching people like how to get out of the room and like using the chair as like a way to defend yourself uh she's kind of like already starting to come into like taking control of the situation uh, after the sister has been killed, uh, Crispin's mother goes upstairs to lie down because she's just uh, in stress. She's just seen her daughter get killed. Um, we see a masked assailant come out from under the bed and uh, murder her as well. And the family finds her body. And in blood on the wall, again, it says, you're next. Um, what I, I feel like this is the first time we see one of the killers, like the, the mask that they're wearing, which is kind of like a, a lamb mask. What, what did you think of this visual? I think the masks look pretty great. There's something kind of old-time Halloween-y about them. Uh, yeah. When you see those Halloween photos from, like, 1906 or whatever. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, just basic animal blank masks, but it's uh, pretty off-putting. Yeah, kind of like retro, but in like, in, like, a creepy way, right? Yeah, it gives you a little bit of the Michael Myers vibe of just expressionless and kind of retro, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Pretty effective. Um, and then you know how uh, they've written your next year and in the opening scene they wrote your next uh, don't you think that part is like implied that like if someone's in your house killing people <laughs> right you literally had to spell that out for the people in the house <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know it's <laughs> like if you hadn't written it they wouldn't have been scared because they would have thought it was just over or something maybe he's done now oh nope look yeah. at the wall <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that your next or my next? Or which one, which of, us one of us does he mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, man. At least the uh, apostrophe was in the right place. I feel like I would have like been Y-O-U-R next or something. <laughs> At least they're on board with their grammar. Yeah, I mean, grammar on point when you're writing with blood. Yeah, yeah, I know. You got to get that right. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just a really strange thing to go around writing. Um so yeah, Aaron, probably unnecessary, but that's yeah. the title of the movie. Exactly. That's probably there for no other reason. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think there's only one more time we'll see it, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. Um, but so, yeah, Erin, uh, meanwhile, has been kind of, like, armoring herself with, like, what she can find around the house, like, knives and stuff. While she's in the kitchen, one of these assailants tries to get her through the window, and she stabs their hand, and they back off. Um, this other assailant... Uh, crashes in through the window of the family room and tries to attack her and she like badges his head in with a I don't know like with a hammer or something but she, yeah she just basically goes to town and like kills this guy uh, what did you think Cause I, I feel like this is like finally seeing her come into action and like killing people I was I was excited and I was waiting for it they do a pretty good job of letting you know hey she's going to emerge as the hero here and be a badass but I feel like they paced it well of like, you know, it's coming. And then when it finally comes, you're like, yeah. 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 I feel the same way. It's, it's a good build up. And then even like how she goes like all out, like she kills him and then like, she's still like stabbing him and stuff. There's like kind of an emotional release with like what that has been building up. Right. Yeah. And it's the opposite of so many other final girls, especially from like the eighties where it's like hit him again. He may not be dead. She's like, yeah. no, fuck that. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to <laughs> make sure he's a pulp yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah she goes to town it's it's awesome 
Um, so uh, upstairs, the dad discovers in a closet, there's like a sleeping bag, some bottles of water, uh, one bottle, which I'm pretty sure was pee, and uh, realizes that someone's been hiding out in the house, uh, which obviously Brian, he sounds like he figured out way earlier on. Um, Crispin's- I didn't really think they had been sleeping there and being in a <laughs> bottle upstairs, but whatever. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> Is it really uh, sneaking in the house if you're not peeing in the bottles in there? I mean, it's like, <laughs> that's just like you haven't someone. really broken and entered if you haven't <laughs> left a bottle of pee. <laughs> yeah, B E and P. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> P and P. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so Crispin's. Uh, oh yeah. So so the dad finds all this stuff and he runs into Crispin's younger brother upstairs in the hallway. And uh, he's trying to tell him that, like, holy shit, someone's been in the house the whole time. But while he's explaining to him, another killer comes and kills the father right in front of the younger brother. And we realize now that the younger brother is in on this. Him and his girlfriend, Z, have kind of coordinated this whole attack. And they kind of, like, give each other, like, a knowing nod. Uh, what would you think of this twist? Did you see it coming? Um, well, I remembered that something like that happened, so it's hard to say on my initial watch what I was expecting at this point. Yeah, yeah, I think, like, you know, like, some of the family's in on this, right? Right, right. It's not, even on the first watch, it's not mind-blowing, but it's fun enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it, yeah, it's, 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 it's a fun, fun twist to see. Um, so then, uh, downstairs, and I, I don't think they explain quite, like, why they're doing this yet, though, do they? Oh, why they're killing them? Um, yeah. I don't think they spell it out, but I think you can kind of piece it together. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, you got you got a rich father. I think they've they've mentioned a few times that like the, there's a lot of money in the family, so right. I think it kind of makes sense. Um, so downstairs, Aaron uh, fights off this other assailant who's like uh, got an axe on him uh, by stabbing him in the back with the screwdriver, and he runs away. Uh, the older brother's wife kind of flees this house and goes to the neighbors. And we realize the neighbor's house is the one we saw in the opening scene. And uh, she gets murdered there by one of the assailants. Um, and I think at this point, at some point, uh, Aaron like lets it on to um, the family, like the survi- people who survived so far, that the reason she's like really good at like this stuff and like making all these booby traps and like fighting is because she grew up on a survivalist compound. And I wanted to ask you, like, what the hell does that mean? What, what is a survivalist compound? Is that a thing that people go to? Oh, well, I'm sure they there probably are like compounds and camps for that kind of thing. Um, actually, I know there are. I'm sure it's just like teaching you what native plants you can eat, teaching you how to build shelter, teaching you how to hunt and shoot weapons, maybe teaching some combat, depending on what kind of survivalist camp it is. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, they definitely exist. These are things like people like live on, on like these kind of camps and grow up in them. Um, I am, I don't know. I mean, I've definitely heard of them existing where they are like more like camps that you would go to for a few weeks and like learn how to do stuff like that. But yeah, what she was describing almost sounded like more of a commune, um, right. Borderline cult, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure they probably exist. Okay. Yeah. She said That's her it. dad was convinced the world would run out of resources and right. basically have to compete for resources. And I, I felt like that contrasted uh or like dovetailed nicely with this theme of this kind of wealthy family and the siblings competing for inheritance in a way 
Oh, like like from one side of the spectrum to the other, like like yeah, almost like polar yeah. opposites. Like there's an abundance of resources, but they're still competing to the death for it. That's a really interesting uh, comparison. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's that's a good one. Good good intersection of ideas there. Um, all right. Well, yeah. So that kind of explains like why she's like uh, doing all this stuff, and she's booby trapping the place up with like nails through the boards and uh, traps like that are hanging from the ceilings. Uh, ceiling so so she's uh, uh, obviously knows what she's doing um, we see also see uh, the older brother who was wounded in the beginning uh, he's talking to Crispin's younger brother and Crispin's younger brother who we know is the one who arranged all this stuff uh, basically I think stabs and kills his older brother um, Aaron ambushes another killer who's like peeking through one of the windows and kills him um, after uh, I think the last killer then kind of comes in uh, steps on one of her like nail traps and then she lures him down into the, a dark basement where she uses like a flash of a camera to blind him and then stabs and kills him. I, I really like this kill. What, what did you think of this one? Yeah, that was really cool and I think it was a bit of an homage to a scene in Silence of the Lambs. Oh, really? With like the camera flash? Yeah, she was in a dark room flashing a camera to... Uh, to blind the guy? Can, yeah. Blind Buffalo Bill? Yep. Yeah, Clarice. oh man. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so, now, like, I think all the assailants are dead at this point, uh, and uh, Aaron goes upstairs to the kitchen, and Crispin's younger brother and, uh, Crispin's younger brother and his girlfriend are there, um, who are the ones that arranged all this. So they attack her, and this is great, because she kills the younger brother by throwing a blunder on his head and, like, pushing down on it. So we see his head get chopped up, and then yeah, that stabs. was great. She like smashes it into his head, kind of like stabbing him with it. Yeah, and then she <laughs> plugs it in. Yeah, and just like drives it down into his head. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and then uh, the the girlfriend she stabs like straight up in the head with a knife, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right so, into the uh, brain. Yeah, very very like gory and like pretty like violent kills like throughout this film, right? Yeah, yeah, it certainly is violent and gory, and the uh, special effects were uh, courtesy of Alan Tusks, who we've discussed on the show before, so he did good work. Oh, he was, I didn't realize he was associated with this. We talked about him already? Uh, we haven't talked to him, talked about him on this episode, but we've we've mentioned him in prior episodes. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That familiar name. Um, so, I, throughout this whole film, like, Crispin has been missing. He had gone out earlier to try to get to the car and uh, go for help. Um so at this point now, uh, the phone rings and the younger brother who's been killed by the blender, his, his phone rings and Aaron picks it up and it's Crispin and Crispin is uh, on the other end and thinks he's talking to his brother and uh, he says, um, he reveals that he's been part of this plan as well and he's calling to see if everyone at the house is dead yet. So now Aaron realizes that her boyfriend Crispin was also one of the coordinators of this whole attack on the family. Um, so Crispin comes into the house uh, and he finds Aaron is the only one alive and that she knows that he's one of the planners of this. And he tries to convince her that like they're going to have so much money now. Um, they're going to be able to like go live wherever they want. They're going to have like millions of dollars or whatever. Um, and trying to like get her to like side with him. I, he also says that she was never going to be killed, which I kind of find that hard to believe. But did, did you believe that? 
Um, I think it made sense the way he explained it that they wanted one witness who wasn't necessarily like uh, biased. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the arrows were coming at her like she blocked an arrow with a chair. So yeah, it, it didn't add up to the actions of the killers. Yeah, there was definitely like two or three scenes where the killers went like directly for her. Uh, which, yeah. which is interesting. I mean, they were going full neck at her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Full neck. <laughs> <laughs> They're out to that neck, man. <laughs> uh, so, uh, oh, yeah. So he, he tries to get her to, to uh, side with him, but um, she doesn't take it. She ends up stabbing and killing him. Um, and the movie ends with a cop shooting her from outside the window after she stabs Crispin. And while she's bleeding on the ground, the cop enters and she tries to warn warn him, but before she can, uh, one of the other booby traps uh, goes off, and this axe kind of swings down and kills the cop. And the screen flashes with your next one last time, and then I think the movie ends there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she has essentially accidentally killed this cop with a booby trap that she's set. Right, right. Yeah. At the uh, end here, he, when she stabs AJ Bowen's character, I think he says, "Why?" And oh, she right. says, "Why the fuck not?" Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. Do you think this adds to her legacy as a badass final girl, or do you think it detracts from the essence of her character? Um, that's a good question. It kind of, everything she's been doing has been, like, so grounded in, like, survivalism, or survivalist kind of behavior and, like, defense and, like, protecting, but I I also get a sense, like, given everything she's gone through this night, like, you start to crack mentally, and so I almost kind of side with her at the end because she's like covered in blood at this point. She's like injured and maybe she's just like so sick of it that I can kind of relate to her saying like, yeah, you know, why the fuck not? I'm just going to end this and like I've lost it. But I, I, I see what you mean. Like, I mean, what, what, what do you think? I have mixed feelings because like, yeah, it is a badass line and it's just the cap on her badass evening. Yeah. But she was also just so caring and logical and generally good person it seemed yeah it seemed like she had would have had a good reason um or at least a decision or there could have been some sort of emotional moment or an expansion of her internal yeah goings on but i don't know i couldn't quite decide if i liked it or not you know, I, I think where where you see that, like, because, uh, yeah, you're, you're right. Like, when she says that, that, that part of her is, like, kind of gone. But then when she's, like, trying to warn the cop who just shot her, uh, like, to be careful because it's a booby trap, I feel like that's bringing, like, that heart back that, like, we've come to know her as, right? Because she could have right. just, like, let that cop die or whatever. But she <laughs> did anyway. Yeah, I mean, that would have been a whole new level of her mind yeah. is broken now. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that, that that is very interesting because it does kind of break from her character. But yeah, I, I just assume like it's it's been a crazy night, and maybe after you kill so many people for the first time in your life, uh, you change a little bit. Feels like either way, she should probably be on any self-respecting top ten final girls list. I think so, right? Seems you, like you, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think she's definitely up there. Um, yeah. What, what, what did you like about this? What, what, what didn't you like? Well, as we mentioned before, at, towards the top of the movie, I got a little bored. It was unlikable characters. Um, it, it was just like, even though I have a hard time defining Mumblegore, it had a very Mumblegore vibe. I don't know if, I think we talked about this in the I Trapped the Devil episode. I'm starting to notice the sound design of these movies. It's just like very front and center with mundane sounds, like oh. a drawer opening and someone washing dishes 
Yeah. Um, sometimes like the camera is moving a lot, even though there's nothing dramatic happening on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of those things just are a little bit distracting to me and take me out of the movie. Yeah. Um, sure. And the naturalistic acting, as I mentioned, like, uh, I just think AJ Bourne is not a very good actor. AJ Bourne was so bad in this. <laughs> I just don't enjoy when he's on screen. Like, that's another thing. I think these are nitpicks. They may sound like it, but they all combine to kind of take you out of the movie. Mm, um, yeah. But once that arrow comes through the window and hits Ty West in the face, it it really changes the film completely in like tone and the way it's shot and everything. And I think it becomes more efficient and mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like well choreographed and well paced. You're always, it doesn't really ever get boring and the kills are always interesting. The setup of how things happen is engaging. Yeah. Um, so from then on, I, I, for the most part, liked it. What did you think? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, so, so most free issues are kind of like on the front end and in the setup, but but like once the action kicks in, which I like, thankfully, I feel like the action does kick in sooner than like other films. Like uh, maybe what like a half hour into this, you start getting yeah. into the attack mode. Yeah, that's that's pretty much average, but it certainly yeah. there are certainly films that that go longer, especially something like House of the Devil. Yeah, right, right. Um, so yeah, 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 I hear like the the, the buildup was slow and like some of that dialogue up front isn't uh, is kind of like hard to stomach, especially like AJ Bone and how he's like uh, conversing with other family members. It feels like pretty forced and also stressed, and uh, I don't know how realistic it feels. Um, sound design though, I, I'm surprised because I, I noticed uh, throughout the film there's like a lot of like uh, like ambient like synth stuff happening. Uh, were you like did you like that stuff, or are you talking about like more just like sound effects and stuff? Yeah, sound effects, like the mix of the sound is just like very mundane things. Towards turned the all the way up. Beginning, yeah, turned all the yeah. way up, right. Yeah, um, yeah. And, um, but yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I think the score was, was great. Yeah the, yeah, the synth and everything really, I think, nailed it. Sure, yeah, yeah. That, that, that makes sense. Yeah, the, the, the slow mumblecore part of it, uh, I'm, I'm with you, like, uh, not, not a huge fan of, of that. And I was glad that, like, it transitioned pretty quick. And once the action started, though, uh, I felt like, yeah, it really kicked into gear. And I loved how gory and, like, the, the way they captured the violence. Uh, I, I thought that was, like, a great kind of contrast to the slowness of the buildup. Uh, but what, what did you think? I agree, man. It was, it, it not only was it kind of action packed, and it's so easy to compare this movie to Ready or Not, an outsider coming into a wealthy family and then having to fight for her life. Yeah. Um, I think Ready or Not was violent too, but this kind of like really put the bow on things more with these kills that were just outrageous. Um, the blender kill, especially, is just yeah. great. Um, yeah. And there was some like black humor mixed in with this too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like the balance. Like uh, when Z is like uh, wanting to have like sex with uh, Crispin's younger brother next to their dead mother. Yeah, uh, like there's like this twistedness. Uh, which and is she's like, like, you never want to do anything interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciated that part. But um, do you feel like some of the dialogue, uh, like even like later on and like when AJ Bone is like confronting, uh, Sharni, like, do you, do you feel like a lot of that dialogue was poorly written or how, how did you feel about that? Um, I, I guess I, the dialogue, once the action starts, um, didn't really tend to bother me as much, maybe because I wasn't as focused on it. 
Um, so I don't really have much of a comment on that. Um, one one bit of dialogue I really liked was when the brother who was behind all of it killed um, the brother Drake, I think, who was played by Swanberg. And he's, like, stabbing him a bunch of times, but he won't die. And he's just yeah. like, why don't you die already? This is hard enough for me already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just the, like, sheer spoiledness of all the characters was... Yeah. Came yeah, through in a lot of the dialogue, which was nice. Yeah, yeah. And he, he, I think you make a good point about, like, how much of a contrast that is to, like, Sharni and, like, what's, where she's coming from and, like, what she's doing. How she's just, yeah. like, trying to survive all of this. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a, it's a cool way to combine like different characters. And one, there. I know it kind of goes against what everything the family represents in this movie, but one thing I liked about Ready or Not was that they had a bit of a sympathetic character aside from the main. Um, oh, yeah. He was kind of straddling both sides. I won't reveal too much, but right. it, it's hard to have like everybody in the movie be unlikable except for one character for me sometimes so that was yeah. a, a little bit of a mark against it too yeah yeah where did, did you find uh yeah i guess i thought that i felt like there was someone else i liked in this movie it, it might have been uh z i think, I think <laughs> she, she she like uh had had my interest with how like messed up she was there you go <laughs> Yeah, but but well, for we you, know what Ashman's into. Yeah, I mean, who's like that's invented? Like, there's obviously like something really disturbing about her, and it's just very <laughs> so interesting and fascinating. Uh, but yeah, for you, there wasn't any other likable characters. It was kind of all on Sharni and, and her character. Correct. Yeah, which yeah. is fine. It's just uh, a slight mark against it for me, and not not my favorite combination of characters. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to have multiple characters that you're on board with. Sure. But, I, I, at the same time, I think it works in this film because then you're like kind of rooting for her to like kill everyone uh, at the end, which which is kind of nice. Yeah, it can certainly put even more faith and uh, love behind Sharni's plight. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, well, cool. Any, any other thoughts, or do you want to jump to the rating? I think let's jump to the rating. All right. Uh, how many heads going into a blender would you give this one? I give it four heads going into a blender. It, it has Ooh. those weaknesses. Um, that I mentioned, but I think for the most part, once the action gets going, it's just uh, kind of like a five. I think they do yeah. all the home invasion stuff really well. Charney's uh, a great final girl, and there are minimal complaints after the thirty-minute mark for me. Yeah! Wow! Wow! That's that's I was expecting uh, the beginning to dampen it up a, a bit more for you. That's that's pretty good. Uh, yeah! Yeah! I mean, it's it says like goodbye so quick. I mean. It just kind of like washes its hands pretty quickly of everything that was wrong with the first 30 minutes. So, so <laughs> yeah, that's why it stays a four. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm right with you. I had a four out of five as well. Nice. Uh, pretty, pretty solid and, and really, really fun and love like that. They didn't back off on like the violence or the action. And yeah, I think you're right. Like she's one of the top uh, final girls, I think, of at least the last uh, 10, 20 years. She's, she's yeah, great. Definitely. Do you think there was an easier way all of this could have gone down? Uh, like, if you're trying to kill your family, uh, do you hire dudes to, like, kind of stake out the house and then, like, attack from the outside? Or wouldn't there have just been, like, a much easier way to do this? Yeah, there probably would have been a much easier way to do it. Um, it's hard to say, though. It, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like that that makes the movie so the believability of it is just like okay fine i'm on board with it yeah i can suspend my disbelief but some of the stuff that 
challenged my suspension of disbelief was it took them a while to even address the fact that hey obviously there's someone in this house because mom was just killed upstairs yeah <laughs> they don't ever feel they're still like boxing it or uh, like boarding up windows and yeah. stuff like that it's like well one of them's in here already do you know that they're, they yeah. weren't taking any action yeah uh, to mitigate that risk it, yeah. it was strange it was eerie and then the whole thing starts with the arrows through the windows and they're like everybody down and away from the windows and then the rest of the movie when they're near a window they just <laughs> they don't care <laughs> they've already forgotten about the window threat yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's something I, I'm not gonna like take any points away from it for but uh, yeah. definitely uh, lacked some some realism there Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I know. I had that same note. Like, doesn't anyone remember that there's a killer in the house? Because, uh, yeah, they, they don't really act like, oh, shit, like someone's here. They've killed our mom upstairs. And they're just, like, boarding up everything without, like, being too protective of what's going on inside. Yeah, and then they leave the room where the mom died, and one of the daughters stays behind oh. in there. It's <laughs> like, yeah. hey, everyone's just going to let her stay in there where you know someone was just killed, and the killer's probably still in yeah. there. <laughs> I know. They split up, like, a decent amount uh, for, like, the fact that there's, like, a killer in the house. You'd think they would have, like, all stuck together for the rest of the movie. They're like, well, it said she was next on the wall, so <laughs> nothing we can do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> if, it, if it's written in blood, it's it's there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It def- definitely had a, a few uh, weaknesses on the plot, but I, I think you're right. Like overall, it's a fun one that uh, makes up for like those weaknesses. And and the masks, uh, yeah, were so cool and great throwback. Yeah, agreed. Cool, cool. All right, man. Well, uh, anything else? That's all I got. All right. Well, that's been our discussion on your next. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we always enjoy the feedback. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on HorrorMovieClub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at HorrorMovieClub.com. We're going to be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We also have a Discord server where we're chatting up with other listeners and horror fans, so you can find that link on our website. Uh, we've got a Patreon page. Uh, you can find that at patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart, so check out her Etsy page at etsy.com. And until next time, if you're taking a date home to meet your family for the first time, make sure to have an honest and open discussion beforehand uh, just to let them know in case you're plotting any type of murder revenge uh, that might take place later that evening uh, just so you both are on the same page yeah figure out how good she is with a blender yeah exactly good good thing to know beforehand (laughs) 